Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that will help you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. Together, for you. Welcome to episode 63 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I am your host, Siobhan Keith. Thank you for joining me today. All right, have you checked out the time-saving tips to end binge eating and stress eating mini course that I released last week? If you have not, you really need to take the time right now to go over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash time-saving tips, all one word, and register for your own mini course. I'm really proud of this. I think it's really great. It For a free mini course, it is really detailed. There's a ton of information and a ton of useful tools in there that I think you could really change your eating behavior and your eating life with. Um, and so make sure that you get over there, get registered, start getting the benefits from it right away. And then let me know how it goes for you. Let me know what changes you're finding in your life. Email that to me at info at weight solutions for physicians. Now, if you're just joining me and you're new to the podcast, I am a family physician and an obesity medicine physician. I also am a weight loss coach for physicians. So in my weight loss coaching, I help physicians who are feeling overwhelmed, out of control, and just exhausted by their weight struggles and by not seeing the results that they want or by certain eating behaviors to go to a point where they have a confidence in knowing exactly what they need to do and an ease of getting themselves to do it without relying on willpower. And I know if you're sitting there listening, that might sound good, too good to be true, but I have to tell you, it is completely true. It happens at different paces for everybody, but the coaching work and the work around managing our minds, which is what I talk about a lot on this podcast, is so powerful that when you actually start doing it, it really can make things like binge eating, things like emotional eating, problems that you thought you would be struggling your entire life with, seem to just slip away and vanish and just not be the issue they used to be. To find out for yourself, the best way is to book a free introductory session with me. That means you have an opportunity to actually talk to me one-on-one where we can talk about what you're struggling with and how I could best help you. Head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, click on the work with me tab and schedule your session from there. I can't wait to have a chance to talk to you. All right, today we are talking about boring food because this comes up a lot. This comes up both in my uh, weight loss coaching clients, but also my obesity medicine uh, groups that I w- work with in that concern about the food's too boring and I can't stick to it. And so today I'm going to be teaching you how to manage food boredom so it does not trip you up. Stick with me and we'll get right to it after the disclaimer. All right, raise your hand if you have struggled with feeling bored about the food that you're trying to eat when you're making food changes. 
I'm assuming most of you, if you're able to raise your hand, have your hand raised. I think this has happened to all of us at some point. And what I'm here to tell you is that it doesn't have to be a stumbling block. It it doesn't have to be something that trips you up or means that you can't stick to a certain way of eating that you had planned. It's just something that you have to recognize and you have to actually work on intentionally and decide how you want to deal with it. Because most likely it will come up at some point. And let's face it, it even comes up even when we're not trying to eat a certain way. If we're eating like the standard North American diet, there's times where we're bored with our food choices too. So it's not, we like to think that it's the diet, it's how we're trying to eat that does it. But really, it's probably more just our brains and food that does it. But I think it's a really important thing to talk about because for a lot of people, it can be a big obstacle that ultimately, if not dealt with, ends up with them going back to old eating behaviors and ending up where they feel like they haven't been able to stick to their plan. So what I want to do in today's episode is teach you a little bit about what makes us think that food is boring and how to manage it so that it doesn't become the stumbling block for you so that you can stick to a plan however long you want to, which as you know, if you've listened to the podcast, really any way that we choose to eat to lose weight, we pretty much need to eat that way to maintain the weight. So if you're choosing a way of eating, you want to figure out a way to not feel bored by it so that you can stick to it for the rest of your life as a lifelong way of eating. I think a lot of the food boredom really boils down to an excuse by our brains to eat off plan. So it's a really easy one for your brain to come up with where it says, yeah, you know, we're just bored. I can't eat another salad or whatever it says to you. And it can often be kind of an easy route to get you to eat off plan. And so again, being aware of that and building skills around that, I think are really important because the more skills you build around it, the less well it works for your brain. So the less it's probably going to offer it to you as an option. And I think just knowing like, like everything in weight loss and this like long-term weight loss that we're working on here, recognizing that these things aren't a sign of going something going wrong. Like if you start to feel bored with what you're eating, it's not a sign of something going wrong. It's not a sign that you can't do this or that you're failing in some way. It's really just an expected uh, thing that happens to all of us, happens at any time. And if you can label it that way and expect that at some point these thoughts are probably going to come up for you, it will make them so much easier to deal with and they'll be so much less likely to derail you. So I want to come at this from two different points of view, because actually this is a pretty big topic and I'm not going to be able to cover everything that I could say on it uh, in this episode, but I think it's important to recognize that when you're making a big food change, so you're really changing what you're eating and kind of what criteria you're using to decide what you eat, there is a practical element of there's a learning curve to figure out what the new foods are, what your new go-tos are. And and that I think is true. But the other point of view of this or the other side of this is there's a lot of thought stuff here. So yes, there is the practical element of having variety in your diet when you're eating new food. But a lot of it also is managing your mind on 
how does your brain think about food? What does it constitute as being boring and working on that side too. So I'm going to actually do this episode covering both aspects of this and giving you some tips on both sides of it. All right, let's start with the practical side. So the actual food, like feeling limited by what choices you have for your food. And before I get into my actual tips, I want to point out that there is a decent amount of evidence that says having a more limited range of food options actually helps with weight loss. So the way our brains work is the more choices we have, the more likely we are to overeat. This is true just in general when people look at people's plans. So people that eat according almost to a formula where every breakfast is this, every lunch is this, every dinner is this, generally they can manage their weight more easily compared to people who eat different things at every meal. The other place that this has been shown is in restaurant menus. So if you go into a restaurant with a very limited menu, people are less likely to overeat then when you go into one of those restaurants where it's like multi-pages, huge menu, uh, you're more likely to overeat in that scenario. So I bring this up because maybe having some limitation in what your food options are is actually a good thing. And it may help in overall in your long-term weight management. And so if you think that is true, then the process becomes the second part we're going to talk about, which is working on your thoughts about having limitations in what you eat. So I'm going to talk about this from a lower carb perspective, because as you know, that's what I follow and what I generally think is one of the more effective ways or easier long-term ways to eat to manage your weight. Um, And definitely learning to eat low carb comes with a learning curve. It seems simple, just don't eat bread, don't eat pasta. But if you've lived a life where those foods and sugary foods are embedded in your diet on a daily basis, when you take them away, there can definitely be this element of what do I eat then? If I can't eat those, what do I eat? And learning that what do I eat part is definitely a learning curve. It it takes practice and it takes some time. Because if you think about it, a lot of the food we eat is so ingrained in our in us like the habitual stuff that we would reach for when we're hungry if you want a snack at night if you're just tired and you don't want to spend a lot of time making dinner those habitual things have been with us for a really long time when you change what you're eating and what the criteria you're using to decide what you eat you have to learn new habitual things. And that just takes time for those new dishes, the new way of cooking to become a habit. And I can definitely tell you that it absolutely happens. It just takes time. Same thing with the eating out piece. Again, when you go to restaurants, you have habits of what you generally order. And when you change what you want to eat, or what you're planning on eating, you have to build new habits. And so at first, when you're eating low carb or something like that, when you walk into a restaurant, it can feel like you have no idea what you can eat on that menu. But over time, what you want to do is just keep practicing finding things to eat on the menu that work for you. And eventually it becomes simple to find stuff on the menu where you just eat it and it's no problem. Um, So I'm at that point where I can go into most restaurants, find something that's low carb to eat and be completely content with it. But I definitely remember the times where, uh, man, it was a struggle, like eating in a restaurant was a real trigger and really difficult for me 
to find something I could eat. Absolutely was difficult when I was trying to eat low fat to lose weight. Um, because it felt like the only things I could eat would be a salad. And even then restaurant salads are really not very low fat. Um, and that to me felt very boring back then. That was before I was doing all the thought work stuff. And then when I switched to lower carb eating, eating at restaurants felt easier, uh, because there was more on the menu that I could just adapt easily to make work for me. Uh, and if you're just as an aside, if you're, struggling with eating out. I do have a whole episode on eating out while eating low carb. Um, so just scroll back through iTunes to episode 12 for that episode. Okay. So learning to eat a different style of eating is a learning process. There's a learning curve and you need to be patient with yourself. And you may need to do a bit of work at the beginning to find new things that you like. But over time, those will become simple and easy and feel just as habitual as your old eating habits did. Now, the second tip I want to say here is let it be simple. I find this a lot with people I work with where if you're online and you're looking up lower carb stuff, there's so many recipes and there's so many thoughts about it. And there's so many ideas about what you should and shouldn't eat. And it can feel like you have to learn everything new. And what I want to tell you is you don't. All you have to do is learn some swaps for what you currently eat. So if you currently like having spaghetti and sauce or spaghetti and meatballs or something once a week, no problem. Make the spaghetti and sauce, make the meatballs, but learn an alternative for the spaghetti that you actually like, but that works for you. So for me, that's thinly sliced cabbage is my go-to noodle replacement. And I've tried, you know, all the different ones. And that's what I find I like the best. And it's simple, it's cheap, it works. Um, So let realizing you don't have to change everything to change what you're eating, you just have to target the specific swaps that really make a difference, I think is really powerful. And let's you feel like you can still eat your old foods. Again, there's a learning curve. Like if you're used to eating pasta, you know, when you first eat a alternative like the sliced cabbage, you might be like, what the heck is this? It isn't pasta. But honestly, over time, like I wouldn't choose to eat pasta if it was in front of me because I have no desire for it. Um, so over time, your taste buds do realign to be like, this cabbage is delicious and I'm very happy to have this cabbage. So other things like, you know, if you normally eat meat, potatoes, and a vegetable, again, no problem. Just take out the starch and make more vegetable. Like you can really let this be simple. Um, And if you find yourself feeling you have to make all sorts of fancy dishes and feeling overwhelmed by it, let yourself pull it back and just make it as simple as you can. And then the other tip that I was going to suggest is kind of almost using a formula to certain types of dishes. So this works whether you're eating low carb or not, but I definitely, I've talked about this before, but my experience eating salads now is very different from a lot of years of trying to make myself eat salads. And part of that is I see such a huge variety in salad in that I can make a salad that tastes entirely different every week very easily 
Um, and I can, you know, find ones that I really like that then go into the rotation that we eat on a more regular basis, where I'm actually excited for my lunch to eat the salad that's there. And so the way I think about it is if you think about the different components and you just swap amongst them, you can create an infinite number of salads. So for a salad formula, it would be your base. Like, are you using uh, lettuce? Are you using uh, sliced cabbage? Are you using mixed greens? Are you using something like arugula? Uh, then what protein you're going to put on it? So is it chicken? Is it, um, I this week I used uh, shredded pork for a Southwestern type salad when the kids were eating tacos. And another time I had some Asian meatballs, like a wonton meatball that I used on my salad. So again, changing up the protein can change the flavor of the salad quite a bit. Also, sometimes I make a salad with some prosciutto on top, uh, which is really delicious. So it can be other stuff that you use for protein and it can totally change your experience of the salad. And then whatever other vegetables you're going to put on it. Um, And I've found over the years, I've become a little bit more creative with other vegetables, like um, making, putting sliced radishes on more. Um, You can do things like put some capers on it. That's not, I don't know if it's technically a vegetable. Uh, It's grown on a plant, but, um, and then thinking you're like kind of crunchy or, um, extra umami type bits like so nuts or olives like those kind of extra little flavor bursts um, that help you out and then thinking of what fat you're going to add so are you adding a cheese to it is it just your dressing and within the categories of dressing or the categories of cheese you've got a whole bunch of different options that'll totally change your experience so if you're feeling bored Think of some of the dishes that you want to eat and think of them kind of in a formula sense to see if you can generate more combinations that would work well for you. And the final point for the practical side of variety when you're learning to eat a different food like low carb is develop some interesting treats that are on plan that when you feel you want something more exciting, uh, you've got stuff in your back pocket. So for eating lower carb, I don't really eat this stuff very often anymore. um, Because again, I think my brain's really changed around the low carb, but I definitely used these as tools at the beginning. Uh, One would be bacon wrapped pickles, which is quite delicious and feels very indulgent, especially if you dip it in a bit of a creamy dip. Um, Hot wings I've talked about is always my indulgent go to as long as they're not breaded, which I love. Uh, like a creamy dip, like a spinach dip, but getting celery to dip in it instead of bread, which honestly, it doesn't matter because it's a dip that matters. Those sorts of things were go-tos when I just needed, wanted to feel a bit indulgent in my food. Um, and so developing a little bit of a repertoire that you could use foods that are on plan, but feel more indulgent for those days where you just can't get the kind of boredom thoughts out of your head, I think can be helpful. I think you have to watch how often you use those tools. Like um, low carb baking would be an example. For some people, it the low carb baking just replaces all of the other starches they used to eat and is happening so frequently that it actually gets in their way of losing weight or you start to develop cravings for the lower carb baking. So again, I would view these 
kind of extras as tools that you use occasionally when you really need them. Um, but kind of watch yourself that they're not just becoming a replacement for some of the food that you used to use when you're emotionally eating or those sorts of things. All right, so those are my tips for the practical side of having variety in a low-carb diet. So um, recognizing that limited variety may actually be good for weight loss. Number two is letting it be simple. Number three is coming up with some formulas for kind of common dishes that you make. So you can make quite a bit of different variety of those dishes. And then number four would be... uh, developing a repertoire of having some interesting treats as a tool for when you need them. Now let's move on to the thought side because honestly I think this is where the money truly is uh, when we're talking about boredom with a food plan. And the big thing that it really boils down to is our brains wanting to view food as entertainment. So our brains are always wanting to be entertained by our food in our society. And we're taught that, like, if you look at all the imaging advertising that's out there, it teaches us that food should entertain us. When we eat out, food is part of the entertainment. When we have a big family get together, like Christmas or that sort of stuff, food is part of the entertainment. And so it can happen that our brain is looking to be entertained by food on a daily basis. And when we change what we're eating, our brains feel that it's not being entertained as well. So this is something to be aware of because your brain constantly seeking food for entertainment can really get in your way of long-term weight loss. So recognizing if this is going on and figuring out other ways to entertain yourself. So when your brain says, I'm bored with this food, we need more exciting food, recognizing that that's not actually a food problem. That's probably more of a brain problem. And working on the brain will give you more success than just trying to change the food. Because as we all know, or most of us know, even eating a lower carb diet, like you can still overeat. It's not that it's foolproof. You can overeat lower carb foods and find that you don't lose weight to the degree that you want to or at the rate that you want to. And sometimes that can be your brain being entertained by the food, looking to the food for the entertainment. So developing skills of entertaining yourself through non-food sources, I think is a really important skill. And it's something that may take some time. Again, there might be a learning curve to that, especially if you feel you haven't actually had a lot of time in your recent years of entertaining yourself with things you enjoy that aren't work and that aren't food. It may take some time to generate ideas about what you could do instead of eating when you feel like you need some entertainment. Uh, Point number two about our thoughts around boring food is recognizing that focusing on what we get to eat, what we have the privilege of eating, rather than what we can't eat, will often really change our enjoyment of what we're eating. And so if you think about all the things you can't eat when you're eating a lower carb diet, like if you spend time thinking about the bread and the pasta and the sugary stuff and think about how you wish you could eat it. And and I'm saying this because most of us do this when we start a lower carb diet. I'd say the vast majority of us spend a lot of time thinking like, oh, when am I going to get to eat bread again or something similar? But all that does is it makes your brain want those foods more. If we, f- we focus 
where we focus is where we direct our brain to go. So if we're focusing on that, your brain will want that more. If you can flip that around and make it work in your own uh, benefit by focusing on the foods you get to eat, then guess what? Your brain wants those foods more and your brain is satisfied and excited by the foods. And I think that's a tool that I've used with really good success in my own life by focusing on things like the hot wings and being really excited that I can go to a restaurant, order hot wings and feel 100% fine not feel any guilt and know that it won't interrupt my weight loss. And I've talked about the salad thing before and earlier on is originally part of the problem was I was viewing salads as these, and and to be fair, a low fat salad is kind of this thing devoid of flavor. Whereas now what when I'm eating these salads that I make, I'm thinking, this is fantastic. Look at all the delicious stuff in here. And I can put some cheese and I can make a really tasty dressing. And I can, you know, eat a really good, satisfying salad. And if I think of a salad that way, like I said, I'm excited to eat it. The other day for lunch, yesterday for lunch, I'd packed a salad with some wonton meatballs I'd made. And I made an Asian vinaigrette, put it on some cabbage and put some macadamia nuts on it. And it was delicious. And I knew it was going to be delicious all day. And so I looked forward to my lunchtime when I would get to eat that salad. And I felt no boringness, no deprivation, even though in my old way of thinking, I probably would have viewed that as, oh, here's another salad at lunch. So same eating or similar eating anyways, but very different feeling because of how I choose to think about it. So when you catch yourself thinking about things you can't eat and that you wish you could eat, or thinking about what areas you're limited in, try to redirect your brain to thinking the things that you can eat. Like what things do you really enjoy that on previous uh, lifestyle changes you didn't let yourself eat or you didn't feel you could eat? Like is it cheese? Is it creamy dressings? Is it bacon? You know, there's so many things that a lower carb way of eating allows you to eat with more regularity that are really actually very satisfying when you look at them. And I feel personally, they totally make up and more than make up for the things I choose not to eat, uh, like the breads and the pastas. Uh, Number three on the thought side is, I find it really helpful to think that when my brain is telling me thoughts about boredom and how my food is too boring. I think of this like a toddler having a bit of a tantrum about the food you put in front of them. Or my kids when there's a really delicious meal in front of them and they're like, this isn't my favorite. I don't really like this. (laughs) Which there's weeks of my life, I would say, where I'm like, when, at what age will they actually, will everybody be happy with the meal that I put in front of them after working hard on it? Anyways, I'm sure a lot of you can uh, sympathize with that. So I think it's helpful to think of um, the division of responsibilities with feeding uh, that's created by Ellen Satter, where basically, you know, when you're feeding a child, a toddler or a young child, you as a parent are responsible for the food that you put in front of them, but the child is responsible for what out of that they eat and how much they eat. And if you apply this to yourself, you as a parent, that's like your pre-planning part, 
is responsible for the foods you bring into the house, the foods that you plan, the foods that you prepare. Your inner self can choose to not eat that food, but that's the food that's available. So it's a bit of a, like a parenting yourself maneuver where you go, okay, like if you don't want this food, you must not be hungry right now. That's okay. I'll put it back in the fridge. When you're hungry, let me know and we'll pull it out for you. So again, looking at the fact that the boredom with food and wanting to eat something else is probably not truly that the food's boring. It's that your brain is trying to release some sort of discomfort or get some sort of entertainment from the food and just holding firm to what you offered yourself and that if you truly want to eat, this is what's available today. And I do sometimes talk to clients and stuff about, you know, if in the moment you really want something like ice cream or some sort of dessert or something like that, what works better from this kind of parenting yourself perspective is to go, sure, I hear you, you want some ice cream. Tonight we're eating salad. I'm going to be doing this tonight because I made lasagna and my kids, for whatever reason, because it's delicious, will not eat lasagna or complain about it while they do. So I'll be doing this tonight. Tonight we're having lasagna. That's what we made. It's your choice if you want to eat it or not. And if you'd like, I you can plan to have the other food another day. So you're planning in advance instead of letting your body, your that urge part of your brain dictate your behavior in the moment. And that's a very different um Uh, kind of use of your brain, the pre-planning a treat and then eating a treat at the pre-planned time versus having an urge to eat the treat and responding to that urge, even though you didn't plan it. Totally different pathways in your brain that you're using and different tools that you're using. So treating, doing, when you recognize this boredom behavior, I think it takes a bit of kind of positive parenting. It takes a bit of standing firm with what you had planned and letting yourself choose not to eat it, but then not letting yourself choose to eat a bunch of other stuff. Telling yourself, okay, you know, if I don't want it right now, I'm probably not physically hungry. So I'll, I'll save it for later and I can have it when I get hungry. And again, the first time or two you do that, that may feel difficult, uh, similar to when you're experiencing like a food craving and choosing to not eat according to it. But over time, that will become a very simple tool. And that can be a very strong skill to build for that lasting lifetime weight management. All right, summarizing the thought side is that food, boring food is actually usually your brain looking to food for entertainment. So it's not that there's a problem with the food, it's a problem with your brain. And you need, if you just keep focusing on the food, it'll keep happening. You need to find other ways of entertaining your brain. Number two is focusing on what you get to eat, not what you can't eat, uh, can be really empowering and can totally change this conversation. And number three, viewing this part of your brain and when it does this as a toddler um, or a child you're trying to feed and viewing the feeding of it according to the division of responsibilities by Alan Satter and basically sticking to your guns about what you had planned. And if you choose not to eat that food at that time, fine. But then you don't eat anything. You, It's not that you get to change and eat something totally different in that moment. 
All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you send me any comments or thoughts you have to info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. And if you could take the time to leave a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you're listening to this on, I would really appreciate it. Uh, It does help the podcast get found. And I appreciate the time everybody's taken to leave their reviews. I do read every single one of them. All right. Have a fantastic week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.